Welcome back to the Tasty Morsels of Critical Care podcast. And today we're going to verge into challenging territory for an audio podcast in that we're going to discuss the very visual topic of dynamic left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. This is something fairly dependent on echocardiography for diagnosis, which, as you can imagine, translates fairly poorly to an audio format. This also means that you'll be denied my interpretive dance as I simulate the mitral valve leaf that's being pulled out towards the septum via the Venturi effect. But alas, I digress. In essence, dynamic left ventricular artery tract obstruction, or LVOTO, occurs when the closure point and tips of the mitral valve are pulled into the left ventricular outflow tract during systole, forming an anatomic obstruction to LV outflow, thus reducing stroke volume, cardiac output, perfusion, etc. Um, now, of course, there are other types of dynamic LVOTO, mid-cavity and things like that. I'm not going to really be discussing those. Um, this clinical state is reflected in poor blood pressure, to which we respond by giving more catecholamines, which indeed makes the whole thing worse in a horrible cycle of nastiness. So perhaps it's best to start by identifying what type of context where we should be on the lookout for this. And we'll start with sepsis. So sepsis is a state of low systemic vascular resistance and it leads to reduced preload and reduced afterload in the heart. The LV receives less than the usual volume to stretch the the myocytes and the low afterload state with the low pressure in the aorta makes it incredibly easy for the LV to empty itself of the load that it is given. So ejection fractions might be 70 or 80%. Uh, This results in a small cavity left ventricle where the left ventricular outflow tract and the mitral valve find themselves in much closer proximity to each other than they're normally used to. If it gets out of hand, bits of the mitral valve find themselves in the left ventricular outflow tract during systole, causing all kinds of bother. The incidence of dynamic um, LVOTO in those with septic shock is remarkably high, or at least higher than I thought it would be. It's reported to be about 20% in one study from ICU echo guru Michel Slama, and even if it's not that common, it's yet another reason why the super shocked patient should probably be getting a timely echocardiogram. So let's say we're worried about our septic patient. Um, Within that cohort of septic people, who is at risk of dynamic LVOTO? Classically, it would be the older person with left ventricular hypertrophy or maybe a thickened septal bulge of hypertrophy, sometimes called a sigmoid septum. Um, Going with that, you'd expect maybe to see a stiff ventricle that fills poorly and has diastolic dysfunction. These These are all features that would make them at risk of dynamic LVOTO. And as noted at the beginning, it's clear that echo is a key part of the diagnosis here. And if you do one, you may see some of those baseline features just mentioned, the small cavity, the LVH, um, but with the addition of SAM, systolic anterior motion of the mitral valve. Most dynamic LVOTO has SAM, but not all SAM has LVOTO. SAM can be quite a common outpatient echo finding. So if you do a whole bunch of echoes on people, say, who happen to have hokum in the community, they may have quite significant um, visual SAM, but they have no outflow tract obstruction with it. Okay, can you see the difference? Just because you have SAM doesn't mean you have an outflow tract obstruction. So in addition, if you find SAM in your patient where you're worried about dynamic left ventricular outflow tract obstruction, you want to look for flow acceleration in the left ventricular outflow tract. So just as a river approaching a narrow point accelerates and becomes turbulent, so does blood in the left ventricular outflow tract approaching an unwelcome and intrusive mitral apparatus. This flow acceleration can be easily measured with Doppler and produces characteristic patterns that get echo nerds like me all hot onto the collar and is largely beyond the scope of the podcast. But it's important to know to look for it. Before we get on to management, I want to mention another at-risk cohort. These are usually easy to spot as they've just returned from theatre with a big sternotomy following an aortic valve replacement or a mitral valve repair. 
to take the example of the aortic valve, for example, um, aortic stenosis, like really severe aortic stenosis, leads to severe LVH as the left ventricle has to generate an enormous pressure to get the crusty calcified stenotic valve to pop open. The, the heart slowly adapts over time and learns to live with this very high afterload state. Then one day they go for surgery and someone opens their chest and pops in a nice shiny new valve that opens like a dream. The left ventricle is not useless and continues to eject blood like Pompeii on a bad day. And this hyperdynamic contraction in a left ventricle, not used to it, has a tendency to suck the mitral apparatus into the left ventricular outflow tract, forming an obstruction. Um, patients following mitral valve repair are also at risk of this dynamic left ventricular outflow tract and um, SAM leading to dynamic left ventricular outflow tract obstruction as the change in shape of the annulus um, from the repair and the final position of the co-optation point of the MV leaflets um, can also lead to that mitral valve getting pulled into the left ventricular outflow tract. If you've ever done the TOE board examinations, you will curse yourself having to learn the eight echocardiographic risk factors for systolic anterior motion post-mitral valve repair. So we've talked about what it is, and we've talked about a few at-risk populations, um, of which we really mean sepsis and cardiac surgery, or particularly valve surgery ones would be the main ones. The clinical appearance you'll see at the bedside is going to be a rapidly worsening shock. There's going to be rising pressors, hypotension, and a rising lactate. Obviously, there are lots of things that can cause this. Let's say you've popped an echo on and you've managed to diagnose SAM and a left ventricular outflow tract obstruction using echo. How should you manage this thing? Increasing the preload to the heart can help, um, typically best done with volume expansion. Part of the mechanism of um, dynamic LVOTO is an empty left ventricle, so filling it up can help. That can help stent open the left ventricular outflow tract if you've got lots of volume in the LV. You can, of course, also increase preload to the heart using noradrenaline. When you give noradrenaline, that increases venous tone in the right side of the heart. It massively increases preload. But unfortunately, noradrenaline comes with the unfortunate side effect of inotropy, um, which is how we got into this mess in the first place. Hence why turning up your norad is probably not a great idea. As such, you find yourself having to do something really quite uncomfortable, and you have to reduce or stop your catecholamines even when they're on large doses and you think that they might be keeping the patient alive. If that's not bad enough, you probably want to swap them out for, I'm going to struggle to say this, phenylephrine. Um, Much derided and neglected, it may well have a role here, and it does hold that title of pure alpha, as and as such it gives a pressor effect, but without the inotropy. Vasopressin is of course a reasonable option, but as you know, it's not the most titratable drug, but maybe not a bad idea to get started in the background. If that's not fixed the problem, then the next step might make you even more uncomfortable. Um, Understandably, as you can imagine, these patients are often very tachycardic. This uh, tachycardia leaves very little time for diastole, less time for cardiac filling. Again, this is something that's going to worsen the left ventricular outflow tract obstruction. And again, as such, beta blockers in that situation become a very attractive option. Even though beta blocking a very sick patient on large dose of suppressors seems like a slightly insane idea. But remember, of course, you're only going to be doing this after a high-quality, well-interpreted echo that's going to show a hyperdynamic LV um, with lots of SAM and left ventricular right flow obstructive obstruction. So that should give you a little reassurance that you have the diagnosis right. And in that scenario, esmolol is probably the engine of choice, given its um, incredibly short um, half-life and titratability. The dosing, I always find, can be a bit tricksy, as it's always in the mic's keg per minute range and it's not a daily use drug for most of us um, I tend to skip the loading dose for this as well um, but take home message for the esmolol dosing is find a protocol and look it up so usually with filling of the heart 
and removal of inotropy um, and removal of chronotropy. So if they're on dobutamine or adrenaline, get rid of that. You may even need a bit of beta blockade. Usually with those interventions, you can ride it out and you should see some improvement in your hemodynamics. A failure to respond to treatment should make you question your diagnosis. Um, so that high lactate that you've been putting down to um, all the SAM that you found on your echo may well actually be due to dead gut rather than a low output state due to LVOTO. So always keep an open mind, um, given how prevalent SAM appears to be within the um, intensive care population. Um, for references of this, uh, chapter 13 in the Oxford textbook of Advanced Critical Care Echo covers this very nicely. That's the McLean textbook. Um, there's a paper by Chauvet et al. in 2015 in Critical Care. Early dynamic LVOTO is obstructed with hypovolemia, is associated with hypovolemia and high mortality in septic shock patients. There's a Michelle Slama paper, 2016, Current Opinion Critical Care, LVOTO in ICU patients. There's a Pollock paper, 2020, LV cavity obliteration, mechanism of the intracavity gradient and differentiation differentiation from hypertrophic obstructive cardiomyopathy. That one is not only difficult to pronounce, but also a very deep physiological read. And finally, for all things physiology, deranged physiology has a nice little chapter of this and also contains a wonderful discussion um, of the imaginatively named Brockenbrow-Brownwald-Morrow phenomenon, um, which definitely seems ripe for morning ward round pontification. Okay, thank you for listening, and I'll speak to you again next time.